Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Structuring Chaotic Minds, your trusted podcast for finding balance in the professional world. I'm Melissa Franklin. Today, we're going to explore the honest side of marketing, steering clear of internet scams and deceptive practices, and embracing strategies that are not just effective, but also genuine and respectful. I am thrilled to introduce Alefia, a marketing maestro known for her genuine and transparent approach. She has distinguished herself as a committed and ethical marketing marketer, and she's designed impactful email sequences, as well as driving business through growth of integrity and the proper relationship building and approaches. She's here to share her journey and insights. Welcome to Structuring Chaotic Minds, a show focused on balancing mental wellness and life. If you're just like me, then you likely enjoy crushing your goals but it's also possible that right now you're struggling with anxiety, being overwhelmed or balancing life due to mental health. I'm here to help. I'm your host, Melissa Franklin. I'm a leadership and personal development coach on a mission to amplify the fellow voices about our situations, share critical information and knowledge with our family and friends, and at the same time, help remove the social BS about mental wellness and mindsets. Welcome, Alefia. Super excited to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for that lovely warm intro. No, I I've loved following your um your posts on social media and honestly just taking tips from you has helped us grow. So I am super thrilled for you to be here and help us decipher between the difference on what's real and what's frankly BS and we should just kind of avoid. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Uh, that social media part was humbling. <laughs> I, I'm sure you you all are doing amazing at so could you tell us about your journey in marketing so the audience can get to know who you are, especially what motivated you to be, I guess, a champion of an honest approach rather than the urgency and fake approach? Um, I wouldn't say it was very intentional, Melissa, if I'm being very, very honest with you. that That is something that the audience told me after I started sharing the real behind the scenes of my business. Like I, I used to share my success wins that, okay, I got these many, um, like I made someone $20,000 from a post and all that. But that would never seem real to me unless I shared the real struggles. I also used to share me the struggles between me and my clients, which no one on the internet shares. So I remember sharing how one of my clients was very upset with me um, because I did I could not match her tone of voice, even if we did two to three rounds of uh, strategy calls. Mm-hmm. He spent like good three, four hours with me. And then I realized that that was my mistake. And it, it was not the client's fault because she gave given time. And even if her feedback might have been a little harsh, but it, it was because she was upset. And then what I did from that was I, I hired a tone of voice expert and then paid my money. And then I shared this entire story on LinkedIn. And that post really broke like my community. And everyone was like, how, how can you share this? And then people were in my DMs that like, aren't you, like you could be afraid of your reputation. And then I've had people hire me because of that post. So, you know, it just keeps happening because if someone reaches out to me and they say that I've been following you and the thing which I know is whatever you put out there is true. 
Like if you're saying you help someone make ten thousand dollars from one post or twenty thousand dollars from in twenty four hours, I know that it's true because you share the ugly side as well. It's not always rainbows and sunshine mm-hmm. at your end. So I think that's where I found that okay, people are resonating if you show the vulnerable side. Like if you tell someone that hey, if you're in a debt, don't invest in my course, or nothing will collapse if you don't buy this course right now like you can yeah i will still launch it next year and this will still open the cohort will still open after six months this is not the right time for you maybe take a pause but even like but if it's not not a right time for you financially right if it's not a right time for you mindset wise you're thinking oh i have this life life never has a right time for everyone like every life happens and there will never be a right time so this narrative makes much more sense in contrary to the narrative that, hey, the world will collapse if you don't buy this now. We, I don't know if we, I'm launching this again. Take a debt or take financial help. I took $30,000 from XYZ. I was in debt. And then, hey, I became an internet millionaire. Right. No, I've heard I, this story many times. I can't encourage clients to take out loans or do those type of things. So when I hear that, oh my God, it makes me itch. It makes me so, you got to be kidding me. Um, I had a client who is actually most likely going to be coming on board as a new employee for us this coming week. And I haven't even said that. So it's pretty cool because this won't come out till later in January. We're recording right now in December. So it's okay. She'll find out then that I'm probably going to hire her. But she started on a journey where she wanted that instant, okay, show me what you're doing. Let me do it. I'm like, this didn't happen overnight. Like, there's some steps, girlfriend. I'd be lying to you if I tell you, like, sign up for my stuff. It's going to happen overnight. No, it's not. So I might not have that um, marketing approach or that piece to where it says, like, yep, I'm going to fix it in less than so many days. Because it's not. It's really not. But my programs will help people shift into a mindset that is a long-term life choice and life change that helps them Mm. get and reach those goals. Kind of like you, like you're taking consistent steps and you built those relationships with people to where they saw the authenticity and they saw the struggles. And that's Mm. the cool part because they can also see where you came from and be like, man, she did it. And she was there with me sometime back. I could do that too. And that's empowering. And I appreciate you sharing those struggles with people because most people don't want to share where they fall. They don't want to admit I messed up. But that to me thinks like, I think you're amazing for that because most people don't take that kind of accountability. Don't want to say that's where I messed up. Girl, you flipped it around real quick. You're like, cool, let me get a tone cup. Like that was awesome. You just, there's a disconnect. I know I was genuine. I know what I was trying to do. There's still a disconnect, but it's on me because I set it up. And you owned it. And that's proof of you're going to kill it past six figures. You're going to be well at the seven, eight figures because of just your ethic and your approach. And I like that. Um, That means a lot. And I I love that you shared about the mindset part. Mm -hmm. Because in marketing and like as a copywriter, we like if you're doing a launch, we -hmm. tackle many objections. Some are financial, some are mental, and some are emotional. Right. But some marketers have made this whole mindset thing and turned it into 
into like a business gimmick. Hey, you you aren't ready to invest in this program? Label because you have a mindset issue. Right. Because you have money mindset problems. Because mm. you don't see that investing three thousand dollars will yield to three thirty thousand dollars. Hey, you have a money mindset issue because if if you did not have that issue, you would know that investing making money requires investing money. So you know if people do have money mindset issues, I did, or because I am from India, and okay, I'll tell you a story about my employee. I I asked him to write some cold emails. This is a very interesting story. So I asked him to write some cold emails, and the the, the projects we were pitching were in the realm of ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And he's a great, 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 great writer. And those pitches weren't just coming out great; like the writing me- was messed up. And then I I told him like, hey, what what's what's up? Like you're you're great at what you do, but this is just not something not something is missing or something isn't clicking. And then he told me that Nafia, hundred he he's from Pakistan. So like in Pakistan, all we can dream of is hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. When I when I see the figure ten thousand dollars, it just makes me feel so small that I'm not the right person to write this email, and that's why the words aren't just coming out. Now that's a money mindset issue. I love that. I think um, that's something that resonates me with me when I was a teacher and I was in the classroom with kids because. Here I was trying to empower and make these kids believe that they could go and accomplish anything and everything. But I definitely had to struggle with the parents who would drop off the kids with me and then see them like take off to their jobs as I'm like, okay. Mm. But I knew I was making an impact. I knew what I was doing, but I couldn't foresee the amount of money that was possible if I was the one running the system. And when I stepped away from education and started doing the business aspect, well, because I can still impact kids and I can still work with them and I can still have that, but I couldn't process that because I was just grateful to have a job. So for you to ask me to run a company years back, the people who encouraged me to leave and start my own thing, because they're like, what you do is different. So it might not be supported. So you're going to have to fund it. You're going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to leave. I was like, y'all are crazy. I can't do that. I can't do that. I really couldn't believe I could do that. And then going through the systems and procedures and repetitive, I'm like, oh, snap, I've been doing this. But it's a mindset, definitely. So then thinking about that in a field often filled with like deceptive tactics and challenges, how did you overcome the approach and actually stick to someone? I I really resonate with you as being a person who's really of principle and ethics and honesty. How did you make sure that you share that online? Because it it screams through your everything. I've seen people tell me this, but I don't realize it because I don't have a strategy behind it. And then even when people say this in in my comment section, like you're so honest, like I'm like everyone's doing this. How how am I different? But to answer your question, I think something that 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 is very rooted and why this comes off is because it is tied to my religion and spirituality mm. so we as muslims and i will not vouch this on, on the basis of the entire community but me personally my religion 
is the core of everything I do. And our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the thing was that in, in our, like, how we are taught to do business as Muslims is you can't do that. Okay, if you have, if you have um, goods, you can't put the good above and hide the, the bad ones beneath. Because if you do that, that will lead you to... So, you know, you can't, you can't, if you want something for yourself, want the same thing for your brother, even if that brother is a Muslim or if he is a non-Muslim. Wish that for everyone. So if I wouldn't want to be deceited, I would not want to deceive anyone or money. Like if I, I can't do something, I will either, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I don't do this. I have done this many, many times that if I, if you hire me, Melissa, suppose you hire me for launches. And then you ask me to do website copy. I've never done that. And I, I might not even disclose that to you. So this is ethical on my side because I will hire someone or I will take the right course to, to help me fulfill this job. So I can add one more skill to my repertoire. So it's not like ethics. There are, ethics is just being genuine and delivering what you promised on. If you promise someone, you will handhold them towards the entire course journey, do that. So try and over-deliver a little. So that's where these roots come, come from, very, look very rooted within. Mm-hmm. And then when you talk on the surface, I've, ha- I've taken programs, but I've been burned in the past. And when someone has been burned in the past, you know that pain you feel. Because when you're starting a business, I started my business with $30. So... I had to do everything from scratch. I, I did not have that strong money that I, I can test out. So every dollar mattered. Every mm-hmm. dollar counted. So if I'm putting, even if I'm putting $27 in a program and they do not meet that promise, it's it's like they've taken a chunk from my back, bank account that really mattered that month. And if you're doing that to someone else, like... I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to be like very spiritual, but I do believe in karma. Like, Agreed. if I've not delivered to, a, yeah, if I've not delivered a client, it haunts me. That okay, I took her valuable hard-earned money, where she could have spent that on a trip. She could have spent that on Disneyland. And I'm not saying I I don't I satisfy like I satisfy each and every client all the time. Sometimes mistakes happen, but what I try to do is after that mistake, I'm like, hey, I saw that you weren't satisfied. What can I do that will make this project worthwhile? What can I do to help you? How can we how can we fix this? And then I try and fix that at the end. Yeah, it's similar. I've never had clients that were angry with the program rather than they weren't showing up to do the work in the program. So I did change how I said things in my sales mm. meetings after because it was a real eye opener. I had a client, amazing. She's still a friend and she was paying the high pricing for my one-to-one tickets. And that's a commitment that I'm very aware of almost as much as some people's mortgage. Like it makes sense. I get it. Um, and she wasn't showing up to meetings. <clears throat> I was like, there's no way she's happy with my program. Like she's going to hate it. She's going to hate me. She's going to hate this. 
And when I asked for feedback at the end, she told me, she's like, no, honestly, you did amazing. Thank you. You gave me everything I needed because it all made sense. But I just didn't show up and do the work. And I was upset at the end of it. She wasn't. I was. because I was like, she didn't get her transformation. So I had to change how I said things to people and be realistic. Like if you're going through other things and you can't show up to do the work or you're not available, that's okay. But let's be real. My program might not be for you right now. Mm. Back later. So I love that you share that. And I love that you do that because, you know, usually we all like as operators and marketing, we, we do write that part. This is perfect for you. And then that is like the spammy marketers are trying to fit in everything in that section. Right. So that it, it looks like, Oh, this is not like they're trying to put this in a box, but then they're trying to fit the whole world in that box. And then this is, this is not a perfect for you. If you're an animal and not a human. You, you don't live in a zoo, you know. Yep. <laughs> like I'm exaggerating it, but but it, it that part is not it perfect for you. Mm-hmm. It, that, yeah, like this is this is something that would not apply to anyone on the internet. So can you just stop taking around it here? Like be real. It's funny because I'm just going to ask you to elaborate, like on the philosophy of it being non-salesy in that marketing, and I think you kind of just like nailed it and you're you're stating that it can't be all up in your face and just like right now right now because it's be real it doesn't matter how much I want to do those things if I don't have the time to do those things or have the finances to sign up for that program I might actually be hurting myself like realistically um I need to pay the mortgage that month and I want to take a diet program and you're trying to sell me on it. I'm, I'm sorry. My family is not going to be any more sustained because I went and lost 45 pounds that month. It's just not feasible and it's not logical. Um, so I love that. Thinking about it then, let's just say someone actually has the right approach then. And then they want to take your advice on, okay, cool. Let's say I, I want to do what Melissa and Alafi are doing and I'm going to be honest with you and say only when I'm ready to work with you. What about building funnels and then that process? What key principles and guide do you have when creating a funnel that still respects your audience but engages them? So I, I've learned this recently and I'm guilty of not doing this as well. So in copywriting and marketing, what we've been taught is using the spring PAS, and that means problem, agitation, solution. So this is how I did it before. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Melissa, I don't know why you're a seven-figure business owner and you have all these nice things in the world, but your copy sucks. This is the problem. Your copy sucks because um, y- your your program value is not being delivered. And this sentence sucks. And this sentence sucks. And this sentence sucks. And then, hey, hire me and Everything will turn into magic and gold. And now I, this is how people approach it. Like if you go to a dentist, he will say, hey, Melissa, your teeth looks a little bit wonky. You have crooked teeth. Your smile looks wonky and you, you look ugly. And it could impact your confidence. This is how people, and even 
at one point, I think even I fell into this trap. And then, like, can you agitate someone with being human? You can. And that's when you empathize and empower that same person. And then the same, the same, it's the same context. We're just flipping the script. It's it's as though simple, like the teeth example. It's like, hey Melissa, I know, I think I I I I can see that you broke you chipped your teeth because you're so fond of horse riding, which is great because you're an adventurous person and you're not afraid of things. But what's keeping you from getting fixed? You know, I have this great doctor who does this, this, this. And it, it might be impacting your because I noticed that. You you don't smile with your teeth like before, and it hurts me because you have such a beautiful smile, and I would love to see that smile back. So would you be open to like meet meet the doctor? I can I can help you with the appointments, and it's not that painful, you know. Like it's it'll be done in maybe three days, and you'll have your I'll get smile back. I love it. It's um, I like to. It- it resonates in two different ways. It resonates in, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but more of a feminine approach. And it also resonates more like neuro-linguistic programming questions mm. rather than, hey, you suck, so do something about it. Like there's actually, it's a coaching process pretty much. Do you want to change it? No? Cool, I'll be your friend still over here in the corner. If you do want to change it, I am an opportunity for you to do that. I'll be here later. And for me, um, I think that's just kind of how I've always done things. Like, that's cool. If you would tweak that, you'd be even more sparkly than you already are. And it resonates with people. But others, it's like, no. Okay, cool. We're not going to work together. Like, I'm okay with that. I don't have to lie and say you suck because you're pretty amazing. Or I probably wouldn't have wanted to work with you in the first place. Like, let's be realistic. no, I love that. I love the authenticity. And um, how do you do that then in cold emails? How do you craft those sequences and actually create it to where it's still captivating and not overwhelming? Because I feel like I've read people's emails when I'm like, sorry, guys. Hi, I'm here again. Like, <laughs> what is your strategy in avoiding those pitfalls? You know, I think the most turning point for my business was when I started doing cold emails, and I'll name name one of my mentors. Her name is Bree Weber. I do recommend going through her cold email course if anyone wants to specialize in cold emails. So she taught me a method, but then I I, I couldn't like hundred percent resonate with her method. So I added such a humor to it. Nice. So what I try in my cold emails is to make someone laugh, but I, I like I think I really wanted cold emails to work for my business. I took mentorship here, course there, and then Bree's method was what stuck with me the most. But usually cold emails are like this. Hey Melissa, your VA is not doing what he's supposed to do. So would you want to replace your full-time VA with yes? Or hey Melissa, your business is not um performing up to the level it can perform so let's do this or hey melissa uh you're leaving money on the table because you're not you've not bought this so usually we see that message in polling emails. what i what i found 
my style to be is. First, if we have a common show, common book, common place, common language, and common alphabet. So I've started cold emails with, "Hey X, are you back from Hawaii? I I I saw that you took your wife to this, and it's like it's coming from a random internet stranger, but it's so warm. And then I add their uh, what what's your what's your children's name? Mine. Yeah, yeah, yours. Alyssa and Brayden. Okay. If I were pitching you, I I would find it from your social media, and then I'm like, your your business requires a lot from you, but what if I could take a little bit off your plate so you can spend more time, or you can read this X book to Alyssa, and they share people share all this stuff on podcasts. So yeah. what I try to do is before I write someone a pitch, I go through one or two podcast episodes. I like go through. The last one or two months of social—it's work again. Mm. It takes me six to seven hours for that pitch, but it's so warm that I I get clients through that. And actually, I I sucked at it before. It, it took me seventy emails to find my my normal because no one hired me for the first seventy emails. And then I found myself, and I'm like, why? Because what I did before was, hey, this is your sales page. I rewrote it for you. Hey, this is your sales page. Likes this. Hey, uh, I don't know why you're not. Why does your copy suck? Like it, it actually my copy read like that in, in cold emails before. But then I had the shift that I don't want to make them feel bad about their business. Like maybe at that time this is the best they could do. They were already in business masterminds. They were already like try, let, let me try and feel their pain. Like let me try and see. If someone would be emailing me, what would make me happy, or what would make me feel seen? Everyone wants to feel seen. So if I'm I'm saying that your copy sucks, that means I'm I'm diminishing their efforts they put in. So I want to make them feel empowered for their efforts. Like this is the best you could do. I see the storytelling on it. I love that. I think um, for me, usually when I see that type of thing, I'm just kind of like. If I want services, I'll find you. And if you reached out to me, then that means like there's some reason you found me and I didn't find you. So it's okay. Like it's perfectly fine. So the cold emails usually don't work unless it's doing something. I think you asked about my background. I can't remember what you did, but it was something about my LinkedIn background. And I was like, okay, cool. And it just created a genuine conversation to where we got to chat more about each other's backgrounds. And it made that connection. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people miss. Can I add something here? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Because you mentioned that, you know, Melissa, the thing which some which you can't fake online is curiosity. So curiosity is the other name of authenticity. If you're genuinely a curious person, if you're genuinely interested in knowing someone's background, because I have a thing to read people's past experiences. Because it's so fascinating how when what they started with and where they ended, and there's always a story. Yep. And I'm drawn towards those stories. So what you mentioned, I was genuinely interested. And if you're not genuinely interested, people can feel that. Yeah. Even if it's like it's a text message, even if it's like a stranger from twelve twelve miles apart or twelve like, from 
on the other side of the globe. People can feel authenticity through curiosity. If you're trying faking it just for the sake of starting a conversation, it will be seen. So do do it when you genuinely feel that okay, this is the person I want to know more about. Don't don't just do it for business. I'm only smiling and laughing because you're answering the next question where I say like quality over quantity. What would you suggest? So I was literally just going to ask you, can you share an example of where you focus the quality that made a significant impact in helping your client avoiding those internet marketing scams? But it sounds more like you're really saying the curiosity and the authenticity instead of just you know, when you, marketing everybody. When you say... Hmm. Now, when you say marketing, I would say that there is an importance of quantity as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll give an example. Like what we were initially going to touch upon is when we are doing pre-launch campaigns in a launch or a funnel, a pre-launch campaign is something that you seed in right. before you officially announce your program for those who doesn't know what a pre-launch is. But if you say that I will write Three super highly quality, like very, very good quality blogs or posts or emails. It's great. It will work. But it will not work at that level where you wanted to hit your sales goals or you wanted to get fully booked out. Because guess what? Your quantity matters too. Like if, if you're saying that I will only write this short sales page, and we'll make it very qualitative. The maybe the quantity mat- matters. You need to touch upon all the necessary objections. If you have not fulfilled that, if you've cut down on the quantity of that, the quality of the outcome will matter. So I, when I said we'll, we, even in the pre-launch funnels, if you, if you say mm-hmm. only three emails. It can have a great impact. People will resonate a lot with those mm-hmm. quality, that, that good quality three emails, but it requires a lot more to have this lot. Right. No, I love with LinkedIn. I think um, hmm. it's funny because I've had some, the same one that I just mentioned that she's probably going to be working for us very soon was literally just telling us, she's like, you're everywhere now. We see you everywhere. You're on every little app I can pull up. I'm like, but you've, you've heard of me for the last two years. Like I talked to you about this on the phone. What do you mean? She's like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like you're all up in my face now. I'm like, I don't No, I really don't get it, but it's just more the consistency of how much I've been posting, not posting a different message, not posting a different quality, just consistently posting that much more. So they're seeing it everywhere. Um, And it's funny because they would have signed up for the things before. And I realized that now, but they're saying the same thing that you said, like there was still some questions or there were some pieces and it just kind of needed to be represented or brought up again. Um, Olivia, how do you balance demanding like your career with your personal life? Because I know we've chatted about it before that it may look different from one person to another, but giving Mm. your ethical practices and stuff, how do you balance all that? I, I really struggled with it because last year when I started my business, I was in my final graduation year. And that's when I started my business. I had exams, science work, and 
I've been like an A student all my life. I'm very competitive when it, when it comes to my studies. And that was being neglected. But when the exam time came, I was really struggling because I was working these long hours studying. I I hardly remember at that time if I watched anything online, like on Netflix or anything like that. And then, I don't know, I had this idea that I don't deserve any any sort of entertainment because I am a, like, I'm crazy about fiction books. I stopped all that. I'm like, now I only deserve to read non-fiction, only deserve to see webinars, course videos. And life was sucked out of me. And, you know, sometimes even my husband was so frustrated with me. And we, like, I used to sit in front of the laptop till 10, 11 p.m. Starting work at 9 a.m., ending at 11 p.m. And sometimes nothing came out. Like, the whole day went, I was working. But I did not know what was the end project of it. Like, did I even get something out of it? But just yeah. that thing that, okay, all the successful people are working 18 hours a day and all that. And I'm a very lazy person. Like, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm a go-getter. I'm very resilient, but I'm very lazy as well. Mm-hmm. So if anything feels like too much work to me, I will outsource it. And I'm, I, I'm very creative in terms of outsourcing. So I do commission bases, I do bonuses, and I do a lot of things that motivate my employees or subcontractors mm-hmm. to do the work and get paid as they're worth it. But I, I, I usually don't do like, this is your fee right away because it might not motivate people. Right. And I found the people who balance with me there. So I subcontract and hire a lot. So that has helped me balance. And now, like me and my husband, I think we were on trip. Yeah, we were on trip and then we were walking um, down the street. It was very late at night and we had this conversation that don't you think like our marriage life and our work life is all like, it's gone because of this work? Because we're working from home, right? We have no boundaries. And right. that this time we were, we live in a small house. So our bedroom is our office as well right now. We, we are moving. So we'll be creating a different office. And then we remember that, okay, this is this is too much like we've had enough we'll end work at 6 p.m like this is the latest we can stretch ourselves but if we have like because we work around the clock like my clients are in u.s sometimes there are exceptions like today we have to take calls at night we might have to take calls a little bit early in the morning like our mastermind calls are sometimes at 5 30 a.m we take them that's okay mm-hmm. that, that just shows that okay we care and so, some exceptions are okay now we end work at six we have one hour or so in the gym in between some days we even start our day with board games because we are not in that zone right now so you're like okay it's okay to do all that as long as you're not taking work from home as some people like my husband had this mentality too like this is freedom right so even if i want to work three hours per day i will i i don't really I'm not someone who follows that school of thought because I feel everyone has to work and they should work at least four to five, six hours a day. Come lazy. Like what would you if you if you do not work? If you're spending time with your family or doing or working on a big bigger cause, reading books, that's great. But if you if you're just looking to work three hours a day so you can sit and watch Netflix all day, I feel we we're here in the world for a bigger purpose than that. 
but that also doesn't mean that you you have to work like 18 19 hours a day where you sacrifice sleep entertainment family time because you know it's it's not healthy you're not then you can you cannot give your 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 best to the work as well right so i guess Sorry. No, I was going to say, I I agree with that. So that someone who does want to think about marketing because they want to start working for themselves and they, they want that freedom, but they also understand, okay, cool. I'm still going to have to be invested. I guess what advice can you give to them to make sure that they still adopt ethical marketing efforts, um, but move forward towards making progress so that way they can still have a balance. My number one thing which I would say is if you're just looking to enter marketing because you feel that digital marketing is easy money because it is so much work that if you love it to the core, it's worth it. Right. Instead, there are many, many other niches or many other industries that will pay you much more. And if you love marketing, I would say um, I would say be honest to what you feel like, like a set, like write down ten to fifteen products that you've bought, and map out your customer journey with that product. Like if you're going, if you need bottle, if you need a haircut, what were the thoughts going on in your mind, and then that will help you find out which type of a marketer you want to become. What frustrated mm-hmm. you? on the way that person, that company dealt with you? What did you like about that company? What did, how was your customer experience? So that is something that you would want to create that sort of customer experience. And that is how I found out my niche, which is humor copywriting. And how I find that out was because when I was writing these cold emails, I was like, I, I want to be someone who can sell while bringing a, a smile to someone's face or while making someone laugh? And then just, just making marketing fun. And even if it still can work, like pushing a joke here and there and saying things in a way that has never been said before. Mm-hmm. So it will take time. It will take experience. Like, I, I think it took me like 14, 15 months to land on this. I was, I was trying, testing, Every week or every 10 days, my LinkedIn profile had a new headline because I was texting things. That's okay. Like if you really love marketing and if you want, want to find a place here, test. It's right. I noticed the same thing. There's some days I'm like, my profiles are killing it this week. Like everything's great. And then other, oh man, but it was a lot of client calls or different things. And it's it's finding that that pretty balance or that pretty flow of things. Um are there any books, tools, resources that you would recommend to someone who's aiming to enhance their marketing skills with that honesty as well as transparency? So we are talking to aspirational marketers here or course creators or, or someone in the online business. Pretty much anybody's. So our audience will be any individual who's just trying to balance life. So as they're getting to that point to decide their steps and they want to move forward and say, hey, I'm just going to make some extra money or whatever pieces, but they want to learn about marketing because they know nothing about marketing, but they know about coaching or they know about sales. They know about creating courses because they were educators at one point, or maybe they've worked for somebody forever 
and somebody brought in the clients for them so they don't understand the marketing pieces. What type of things can you recommend so that they can still stay honest and transparent, but learn and grow those skills? I think on a surface level, Alex Hormozzi's books are great. He's pretty great. Like if someone if someone has no idea about marketing, he walks them through that. But then my second advice would be something very different from the conventional marketing. If like find what niche you are in. Like if you are a doctor, read fictional books on where doctor stories are involved. Or watch stand-up comedies that has related to, like, that has something around medicine. Or see lawyers who are taking, uh, who are fighting for doctors. Or see speeches where doctors are talking to other other doctors. Why do I say this? That when you when you take these snippets, like from from proper conventional like Hollywood, or books, fictional books, or lawyers or uh, speeches, there is so much which you see, because now if you read marketing books, you will say, hey, your health is suffering, take my offer or take my treatment. But when you when you watch it from like movies or books, then you see, you see that if someone is suffering from this thing, what are the beneath the level emotions they are feeling? Mm-hmm. So, and when you, when you see someone making jokes on stand-up comedy, stand-up comedy is best example of specificity on steroids because they can go as specific as they want and they're so specific so sometimes sometimes all comedians do are they go so deep where we usually don't go like they're they just go deeper and deeper and that's what's funny it's, it's not funny because it's funny it's funny because we never go there becomes relatable and when becomes relatable mm-hmm. so when you touch marketing at such deep layers so take take marketing inspiration beyond marketing books like if you have a, a very basic idea and that you can from alex's books like there are many resources like many many resources but it'll just get keep get keep getting complicated but if you want to write your own floppy if you want to be ethical take inspiration from your industry from many various areas. Oh, I love that. I think Alex Armozzi and Leila, um, both of them, just their approach and the honesty and the upfront and in your face, but just don't have to put in the work is kind of what I meant by, it's funny because he might come off as masculine, but in my opinion, he takes like a feminine approach, even though he gives you everything because it's still nurturing you and it's growing you, whether you're going to buy anything or not. It's still waiting on you. And it's that unconditional love. Like, I'm going to help you be better, whether you're going to show up or not. Whatever you want. Um, <clears throat> I love that. I really love that. He's genuine. Yes. It you can feel it. And it resonates. And it makes you want to show up and say hi again. So thinking about that then, Olivia, let's kind of like recap and actually summarize the marketing practices. What I have heard has been, the first thing is making sure that you build authenticity and you try to find your voice. Um, the other thing that I've heard is making sure that it's like a consistent type of approach, but at the same time that it doesn't become misleading or pretending like I can give them something that I can't. 
And then finally sticking to making sure that I have a balance and that I'm not just about the job 24 seven. Can you kind of summarize in your own thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I would actually like, like to add like two, three different things. When you say mm-hmm. balance, people in marketing are always like when it comes to social media, people will say, hey, don't just share about your friends, share about your vulnerability, which has led to all those. Now, I don't want to say fake, but all those crying posts on on, on social media or like mm-hmm. or whining posts about toxic jobs. Mm-hmm. Because that just gains sympathy and then those posts go viral. So if you want to use vulnerability to go viral, go ahead, do that. But actual vulnerability is think of things who people are not sharing online. It doesn't need to be you sharing things about your family or how you're going through a divorce or how something. If you don't want to share things about your personal life, don't. Share things that people are not willing to share. Share that how many times did you fail before you got that successful project? Share how many times you fail to wake up 5.30 a.m. in the morning, even if you set your alarm every day. And how that how does that make you feel as a business owner? Do you feel that um, all the others are resilient and you're not? Like, share about that. Share what makes you feel guilty. If you're a mom and if you're seeing everyone else around you do do, do stuff and you feel you're missing out on things, care about. Let's share what you feel like sharing. Don't share what you feel will gain people's sympathy and reaction in the name of vulnerability used as a marketing tactic. I love that you said because that. It will gain you because that will gain people traction, but that will not gain people try. They will not build their tribe around it. Yes. They might get traction, no tribe. No, um, and that's a hard part as far as in mine because mine's a picking and choosing like how much should I share and how much shouldn't I? And most of the time I'm trying to show like I have it together. But I do worry, hey, if I show everybody that I'm losing it today because I'm completely in a manic state now and I just can't help it, I'm crying. There's nothing wrong right now. I'm just overstimulated because it's my mental wellness issues. But then I overthink and I worry if I share this and I post this, is someone going to think I just want attention? Or is someone actually going to realize, dang, I'm suffering right now. And I need someone like myself to be aware and know it. So I feel like I have a safe space. And I think that's that's the balance that our, our audience will wonder Um but I think at the same time, just don't plan it. Make sure that it's genuine is what I'm hearing you say. So I appreciate that because it makes it a lot easier to share those mistakes and not be scared that they're going to be thrown back in your face. Any final words? About, about Go ahead. Yeah, uh, let, let's touch. Let, let's just talk a little bit more about this. About mental health. If you're a mental health activist and you actually want people to make a difference. So, you know, if you're sharing your vulnerability posts, and, you know, some posts are just like, hey, this is me crying. I've lost it today. Think of those posts like, will will it help anybody? Will it make a difference? If if you're, if it's not helping anybody and, and you just want to share everything out there because that's your personality, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If it's not helping anybody, it is not part of your brand. 
that's just what i'm trying so people have misinterpreted uh, this whole mental health thing like everybody is sharing that if it's not part of your brand why do it exactly and if it's not helping anybody like if you're sure that if you're a mom who's going through some hormonal changes and that's affecting your business and you want to talk about it because no one else is then do it because mm-hmm. one voice your voice might be a reason for someone to go and go and like have a word with a therapist yep no i think um and i appreciate that because i've had recent individuals or people that have left the workforce and reach out and say similar things that um my pieces made them realize darn like i'm not taking care of my mental wellness some individuals have just got diagnosed in the last year and have lived their entire lives not realizing that they've had these issues, but they've been desensitized or convinced by society that there is no issue and they're not supposed to complain about it. Um, so yeah, no, I agree with that. But at the same time too, if I go and I just sit on that platform and I complain about all the stuff rather than actually talk about the empowering things behind it, it's not helping anybody. So I can totally see what we're saying on that. Um, any final words or advice for our audience in staying true in the marketing world? I think my, my final words would be, if you want to say true, say true. Say the things in a way which no one has ever said it before. So if everyone in your industry is making making claim that sign up and I will help you make $1,000 per month, think of how you can say that in a different way. Even if, like, this is, this we're talking about if your offer is genuine and you genuinely help people make $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. That's your USP. You're genuine about that. Now, this, that, this is the conversation. So what does $10,000 a month look like? Like in Africa, we could, because that's where I lived like for eight years before I'm currently living in India. So there, you could buy a penthouse in a year if you had $100,000. So it could be like, just talk talk to them, like what can they do with that money? What would $100,000 mean? Don't just say that, promise, keep promising them 10K, 10K more. Then if someone, if someone is selling them glass skin thing, and you've heard that messaging again and again. Think of how you can say it in a different way. Like what 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 message have they not heard it before? And I hear you saying like don't so, sell the product rather than sell the result and actually like have them focus more on what they're gonna get instead of Yeah, but that everyone says that, like don't focus on the product and focus on the result. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't say what has already been said before. I see. So now you 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 you're saying that if like toothpaste job is to make make white teeth or give that white look, but if you just be creative and think of in which other ways you can say it, because if you say it in other ways, it you, it generally comes out as genuine because they've not heard it before. If they've heard it many times, it becomes a red flag. Mm. Because if it does not work, it becomes a red flag. Now, if if I see a skincare product and it says that oh, all your zits will go away and you'll have glass skin, 
maybe when I heard it the first time, it was a fairy tale promise for me, and I wanted to do that. But now that I've heard it 100, 200, 300 times, it's a red flag for me. Like, if I, right. if I read this message, no, no, don't buy this product. Pretty much with the, all entrepreneurs, too. When we get invited mm-hmm. to a webinar, we get invited to a free class, or we get invited to, like, mm, I don't know about all that. No, that that makes sense. So just make sure that it's, I guess, introduced into the brain in a different way so it doesn't come off as a trigger. Mm. I'll give you an example of this webinar you mentioned. My One of my like amazing mentors, mm-hmm. now she calls her, pre like, pre, in the pre-launch funnel, she calls her webinars info sessions. So now the the customers can expect that this will be an info session about the course. She's not trying to sell, like she's actually trying to, she's not trying to sell me. She's just trying to walk me through what it is. So she's not even trying to like, you know, have that tape of, oh, you'll get so much value out of this. Right. I'm going to she's not even going to mislead like, you. Say, she's literally just telling you what you're going to show up for. Yeah. And that's the best sort of marketing. If you tell people that, hey, I'm going to sell things and that. But the, what I'm selling is to obviously make a living out of my for myself. This is where you can find the free information. This is how much time it will take you to do go through that free information. If you don't have the budget, you can do it. If you just want, because I I've spent so much time. If you want my expertise, you want some extra help, go ahead and sign up for that. Sign up like right, and I can help you. But even if without my help, you, you can you can have everything on the internet. Let, like let's face it, people who say that. You can't Google this stuff or this is something on Google. That is because they've added their own opinions and their own strategies to it. But the basis, the foundation is there on the internet. Right. What's the struggle is there is so much on the internet that it's overwhelming. That's why we need experts who've, who've taken things, implemented it, and now they have replicable stuff. Right. Filtering it all out so you don't have to go spend the work trying to figure it out i think that's yeah. kind of where it's we'll pay the expert because they've done all the reading and the work and the other stuff that yeah actually it's that, that faster result yeah. yeah no that makes sense um huge thank you Alefia. honestly your wisdom and insights yeah. i i appreciate it too because it gives it a different aspect to what i want to do with my marketing <laughs> so thank you so much um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us on Structuring Chaotic Minds. And remember that embracing genuine strategies is key to your professional as well as your personal life balance journeys. Stay tuned for more insights and stories in our next episode and have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. To catch up on the rest of the season, visit StructuringChaoticMinds.com or take a quick browse on your current app to see which episodes resonate with you. If you struggle with your own mental wellness or even just balancing life, we have a team of individuals at our site who can help. You can visit StructureInnovations.com and find a coach or mentor fit for you. Thank you for joining me once again, Melissa Franklin, on this episode of Structuring Chaotic Minds. Stay structured and smiling.